Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. So welcome to another episode of the Warrior Women Project podcast. This is your Warrior Woman Jen here and today I have Yen Lau with me. Yen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Can you just introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit of your story? Hi listeners, Um, I'm Yen. I'm a 31-year-old girl from Glasgow. Um, My journey is one that, if you haven't been through yourself, it'll sound um, quite scary. But um, basically what happened to me was, before all this happened, before I actually got a chronic illness, I was a fit and healthy girl, I worked five days a week, I was at the gym four times a week, um, had my own flat, very independent, quite a fiery kind of girl, always out socialising and working. Um, I went camping uh, in Loch Lomond, in a wee island called Inchmiddin, um, I just to have a couple of days there, and I got right in my um, right hand, and I didn't really think anything of it, it was a big red kind of bite, I thought it was like a spider bite, but didn't think absolutely nothing of it. I showed it to my mum, um, so my background is my mum and dad are both from Hong Kong, so they're Chinese, uh, although they live in Glasgow, they don't speak any English, so my mum took me to see a Chinese doctor, and he just said it was just a little wee spider bite and put a bit of cream on it. Also went into the world, and then six weeks later, um, I started getting very, very sick. Um, I was coming home from work, and I'd be so tired, I'd sit on the couch and think I'd rest up before cooking dinner, and the time I knew it would be like six o'clock the next morning, I'd still be in my like uniform, and I'd have to obviously rush to work. So this started happening, the fatigue got worse and worse, I was waking up with unsafe sleep, I was having like morning cold feet, and so I was to try and get out of it, I'd go to the doctors and they'd say, you only see to like get a cup of coffee, get an early night's sleep. So every time I went to the doctors, I kind of felt a little bit sick uh, fast forward three weeks afterwards, I woke up and my whole life since that Sunday, um, which it was actually, I think it was the 11th of September, I woke up and my whole life changed. I literally could not get out of bed, like I opened my eyes and I remember looking at the blinds, like the sunlight coming through and it literally like, was giving me, like the sunlight, the daylight was giving me like migraines. I, I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't like parish on my sentence along. It was kind of like I had like a mini kind of stroke. And at the point in time, I lived by myself and I was in a one-bedroom flat. So I lay for hours upon hours and um, cut long story short, that was 10 months ago. Um, I thought I would call into work for a couple of days, get a couple of like, days sleep and I would get saved to go back into work. I moved back to my mum's house and I literally in her spare bedroom for the next five months, completely bedbound. Um, no answers to like why this has happened. Um, so I've seen like seen eighteen different GPs. Um, I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome within um, two weeks of having symptoms. And at this time, I was only like functioning about ten to twenty percent. Like I couldn't brush my teeth. I couldn't bath myself. I couldn't like um, I couldn't get out of bed. I was eating in bed. I was. Um, Sorry, to say like having to use a bucket in the toilet in my bed as well so it was like I was struggling so bad and I couldn't yep. understand like a fit and healthy girl all of a sudden like had serious serious problems Um, I couldn't really like sit in a car and things like that still so, because like it sounds mad to hear but like the car engine the noise is like that would like set me off my mind yep. was so bad I had earplugs going out the house and if I was in the car for only five minutes, I'd show up because it's like travel sickness. Mm. So when I finally did see the GP, like I thought I would get some answers. I thought like someone could tell me like what all these symptoms were and where they came. And unfortunately, like in a ten minute GP appointment, like a lot of GPs didn't know they did the routine, like whole blood count, complete blood count, all my tests came back normal. Yeah. And so all I had was my symptoms and I had no like medical help or anything like that. And then I started um, looking into what chronic fatigue syndrome was if the doctor says that I've got chronic fatigue syndrome. So obviously I learned guidelines that uh, chronic fatigue is a diagnosis with exclusion of other mimicking illnesses and you have to have like a lot of other 
such as multiple sclerosis, things like that, ruled out. Whereas I didn't get anything ruled out, I just got the diagnosis after three weeks. Mm. So I started going back to the GP, but at this time I had, like, when I was in front of a GP and she would tell me to speak and, like, explain my symptoms, my mind literally would go blank. Like, I knew the words that I wanted to say, but the words to compute and come out of my mouth just it just wouldn't do, so all I would actually do is cry because I would be so frustrated at myself that I couldn't even have a conversation at, at that point in time. Yeah. I started um, questioning the GPs, but I wasn't thinking what they were saying was right because I thought, like, how can you diagnose them with chronic fatigue with symptoms? Like, what is chronic fatigue syndrome? Then um, there was a film that came out called Unrest. Mm. There was a film that came out. And I wanted to watch it because apparently it was a film all about chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, I watched that and I also spoke to the Amy Association as well um, to find out what chronic fatigue is. So I had to go back to the doctors and battle with 18 different doctors to tell them that I have had the amount of like tests for them to be able to diagnose me with chronic fatigue syndrome. Yep. So then the doctors diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. So then I thought, I don't know what fibromyalgia is, but at the time my brain was almost capacity at 20%. And then Lady Gaga came out and she had fibromyalgia, which mm-hmm. helped me like a lovely Lady Gaga. So I watched her five foot two episode and I thought, that also doesn't sound like me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, not connecting. Yeah. And every time I would go to the doctor, they would say, Are you stressed? Are you depressed? And like, I tried myself. And then, like, everything that I've lost and everything that I contain with every single day, that I've still managed to keep positive, I'd to directly say to the doctor, of course, when you have a physical illness that leaves you dead bound and you can no longer work and you can't get out and you're just looking out your window, it, it, it does have that, like, depression is an effect. But yeah. if the illness is caused by depression, that's a completely, that's mm-hmm. like completely different. It's completely but different. Yeah, something where like you're just dehydrated, and I thought, well, dehydration, like, I don't think dehydration would cause a good old film very fit to, like, basically decapitated. So I just say to GPs, like, I feel like you've got so many, like, reasons of it's chronic fatigue, it's fibromyalgia, but they are diagnosed without, um, like, there's no way to actually test for them. Um, so I started looking up fibromyalgia, I started reading up as much as I could about it, and what I took from it is like people are very highly sensitive to pain, like the touch, like the shower would hurt them and things like that. Yeah. And I, I didn't have those um, symptoms. So I paid tried up to see a rheumatologist and she did like the 18 special point test, which I didn't react to. And she said most people with fibromyalgia do react to like the special point test and you don't have that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, she was just a rheumatologist, so she said, you know, the best thing to do is go back to GPs. Um, and I was like, we're believed in the public when you're sick, you go to doctors and they get in and you know, they, they'll know what's wrong with you. Yeah. But unfortunately for me, I battled some very arrogant, ignorant um, doctors that told me, you've got a mysterious illness, some people get sick and they just don't get better, and that is what you have to live with. And I was just like, I'm not living. Like, I am in a bedroom, like, all day, all night, with no reason. Like, obviously, you're going to figure out why. I have symptoms and stuff. Um, so then I set up a chronic illness page on Instagram. And it's called um, Confused Chronically Ill. And if I just post not, like, the most, like, like me, my worst is time basically it's an eye patch on my right eye because I lost sight in my right eye and then my nose bleed, like what it was like in bed, how it felt and things like that and I was so lucky to be touched by so many warriors who messed me back to say you're not alone, this happened to me everything that you say that's happened in your journey everything that you feel I felt so I had to think okay, it can't just be me but it's feeling like this so I started connecting and talking to like warriors all around the world, America, California, um, all over. And basically they were saying that they had these treatments from GPs as well. Family members, friends not believing them. People saying you just need to try harder. Why don't you do more exercise and things like that? So then I started um, basically just reading. Um, I bought the It's Mitochondria Not Hypochondria by Dr. Sarah Myhill. Yep. 
Yeah, so it took all my might because like I had so bad brain fog at the time. Mm. Um, I literally read one sentence and then be like, ah, oh, it makes so much sense. And then the next couple of minutes I'd be like, did I read that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're when you're not well, it's hard to get coherent thoughts. So reading a book takes like ten, twenty times longer than it would normally. Yeah, definitely. And the next, I would like totally get it and write down my notes and things like that. And the next night, I would try to go to sleep. My sleep was very, very affected as well. I was literally sleeping for an hour, then I was awake, um, and I could not understand it because I was so exhausted, so looking forward to going to bed. And I knew, like, the more I rested, the more my body would have, like, a chance to heal. Um, but sleep was one of the massive things that affected me. I'd sleep for an hour every week till, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, stay awake to 5, 6 in the morning, just laying in bed, all my thoughts, and, like, trying to meditate and trying to find, like, a calm, peaceful, even downloaded this app called Calm on my iPhone, and I would listen to, like, sleep stories and things like that, and I would meditate. But this is from a girl that was, like, a complete party girl, um, yeah. you know, Living the Kim Kardashian kind of lifestyle, someone that was like so desperate and like literally trying anything to look for the center. Um, so I knew, like, I was slowly closing, reading the doctor said in my health book, and she had said that she had cured 6,000 people with chronic fatigue syndrome, and she has like a kind of like um, a website, a website of like to buy like um, some supplements and things like that, like things and. Um, vitamin E, vitamin C, things like that to help your body and to give you like a list of like um, tests that you should ask the doctor for. Mm. Um, so I did stuff like that and then I started like just becoming my own like number one advocate and like being my own doctor and feeding mm. and like just feeding and researching anything I could and just like having a circle of people that have the same kind of illness. Um, and then I started doing like um, functional tests, like hair mineralized tests, like cutting, cutting pieces of my hair out, changing it away, and then um, working with that as well. And then it came back to test that I was like glowing, like 21 minerals. I had nasty poisoning as well. Yeah. I never ever had nasty poisoning at all. And it turns out that I've got a filling. It's, um, it's very old filling, actually, 15 year old filling. It's yeah. online and the nasty is into the bloodstream. Into the bloodstream, yeah. So then for me, like, I had to, like, kind of Google what's nasty with poisoning, what would that do to you as well? Yeah. And um, I'm learning about chronic fatigue, and I'm learning about fibromyalgia, and the next minute it's nasty poisoning, and then next minute I'm finding holistic dentists that are going to remove, like, you can't go to, like, a normal dentist to remove the nasty because it will expose back into your bloodstream. Um, so after I've done that, and my parents don't speak English, and I'm not fluent in Cantonese, so how do you I, communicate? No. <laughs> <laughs> how does that work? We speak, we speak in our own language, we call it English. So oh, cool. Like, <laughs> English. So my mum and dad are both born in Hong Kong, and I was brought up, I was born in Glasgow. Yeah. But they work, they work restaurants, so they work seven days a week, like really hard working, and they work 12 hours a day from 12 in the afternoon, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. So I had, I had a Scottish kind of nanny. Right. So yeah, That's why you've got a very Scottish Scottish accent when you speak yeah. English, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I didn't really see my mum and dad that much, so yep. I moved when I was 17 and I moved back in when I was a, well, basically when I got six, 30. Yeah. So, like, they don't understand what fibromyalgia is, what mm. AME is, they just don't know what's, they just don't know what's wrong, but um, when they come to doctor's appointments, because my doctor's appointments are an hour, two hours, my mum's like, Fall asleep. Please. Because, yeah, doesn't get what's going on. Um, so I decided to get an NHS interpreter. Yeah. To the house. So, like, I wanted to translate a lot of things to mum and dad because I don't think it's their fault, but they didn't understand, like, how hard every day was. Like, they didn't understand how I couldn't get up a flight of stairs, how I couldn't get out of bed, how I couldn't lift the plate. I had to go to, like, PIP assessments and things like that. And, um, like, tell them like I can no longer work and like I need um, like a, a blue bag and things and mum would sit through that as well with me yep. uh, so there was loads of like things like that that they didn't quite understand but when I did get in the interpreter he asked a string of questions about like um, my mum and dad's health and it turned out my dad's got vanity stains my mum's got a prolapse um, pelvic so yep. then I said that my gran also has a early stanless vanity 
the, cl- the classic version of it. Right. So then I was like, ah, LS and lost disease. I'm, I'm super hypermobile as well, and I always have been. Yep. So I had to go back to see the rheumatologist and wait another seven months to see her, and they diagnosed me with LS and lost disease. So then when I finally got this diagnosis after so long, I thought, I told her about all my other symptoms, like I see um, kind of like black floaters in my eyes, my vision in my right eye is completely gone. Would that affect that? And she said, no, it doesn't quite sound like everything although you are extremely high to mobile and you have some of the symptoms. And then I've obviously like read, um, I don't know if you've ever read Yolanda to have you believe in book. No, but I have seen, she, I'm sure that she was in that Heal documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she wrote a book and she got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and myeloencephalitis, I think, for like five years. Yeah. Um, and then she went to see a Belgian doctor and just by chance, um, they did a Lyme test on her. Mm. Had previous Lyme tests, such as like the ELSA test and things like that, but that just tested for live antibodies. Yeah. And unfortunately, the majority of people that have got Lyme um, do test negative on the ELSA test. Um, that, however, is the only place plus the latest in what that the engine tends to do. Yeah. So when I read the Hardy's Believe Me book, um, I actually got sent from a warrior from America, someone that had just read all my blogs, and then she just decided that she wanted to send me three books. And the three books she sent me was Believe Me by Yolanda Hardy, How Do I Get Best and Recover from Chronic Lines, and Stephen Burner book, How to Deal Lines the Terrible Way. Yeah. I read that Yolanda Hardy's book, I literally could not actually like put it down. Yeah. Because it felt like I was using like my own diary of the symptoms of the emotion of everything that she went through. And obviously Yolanda's a millionaire, but despite being a millionaire, none of that money made a difference because all the treatments that she got, nothing nothing could give her a cure. Yeah. Um so I started thinking I did get bit by a pit bite in July. I had two negative tests. You also needed to test in the NHS, and when that came back, I thought, okay, I'll put that in the back of my mind. Yeah. However, joined like um, UK support on Facebook and online, and many people that have eventually paid private, um, with Armenian Labs, Hygienics Labs, DNA connections, these are all based in America, and they're most likely based in um, like California, yeah. and they're, they start paying from like, those tests, and those test tests, like tests for more than one strain of um, fluorosis. So that's what I'm on my mission is now is to spend, I've spent a lot of money on tests now, yeah. and that's what I'm going to do to figure out whether or whether or not it's like lines that I'm still battling. Yeah, because if they had done other tests near the start, for Lyme yeah. because they've only got that one test and there's loads of people I mean ticks we know that tick bites can cause Lyme disease so you think that ticks are really they're in the UK it's not like it's a, a rare animal that's appeared in here and you've accidentally been bitten by it like yeah. humans get bitten by ticks animals get bit by t- bitten by ticks all the time that surely by now that they would have these other tests especially if they exist it's not like there isn't a test out there in the world so do you have you had any answer from the NHS or from anyone in the UK why we don't have these tests yet yeah so uh, <laughs> yeah. so I met an infectious disease doctor Dr Tom Evans in Garden and I basically um, because I've read up so much about lines and all the different strains and things like that his mind is when I questioned him, um, like, why does he, because I, I asked him, is the ELSA test 100% accurate? If he told me to put lines out your mind because you put two negative ELSA tests, is it yes, the ELSA test tests only for a live antibodies? If you understand the way that lines actually work, it's a very, very clever bacteria that can hide behind your organs and hide in the blood. It doesn't have to actually be active in the bloodstream, mm. unfortunately. I got tested six months after, um, and you're treated as they say three weeks of doxycycline or amoxicillin. They think that you should be cured. So the doctor, uh, Tom Evans, the infectious disease doctor, sees that their test in the NHS is accurate. 
over and down to said, can you see to me as a hundred percent asset? He said, no sense, it's a hundred percent asset. So I said, so there's still a chance that this case might not have picked it up. And then I went on to tell her that Armenian Islamic Labs and how they're tested more advanced. Mm-hmm. And that people are testing positive to this. And when they do test positive and see thousands of pounds at their own money, and they come to the NHS to be tested, you won't take it on. And she did say, unless the test is done with the NHS Labs and by the NHS, we don't take them on because these tests, such as Armenian and Igenic, are not FDA approved. They, they are, she said, um, they are designed to give false positives. So it's like when I'm discussing it with him, he's trained, tested by NHS, he's probably studied to be an infectious disease doctor for seven years. Like what he studied, he truly believed. And yep. that could be a little bit, as I said to him, like to not be a little bit open-minded to think that these tests are outdated. If so many people, when you go on the Daily Mail, you go on um, you Google it, there's so many people, even Yolanda Hardy, who is so famous for us, like, she's been so public about how hard it was to be diagnosed with Lyme, and even as much money she has, to have the doctors that she has, Lyme is still such an, it's such, like, it's getting more and more people getting mm. affected by However, why is the government, and um, still trying to say that chronic Lyme doesn't even exist, like the CDC doesn't even exist, chronic Lyme is a disease. They recognise Lyme as a disease, but they believe after three weeks of taking antibiotics that um, everyone should be cured and if you're not, it's in your head. When I went to Tom, Dr Tom Evans um, in the infectious disease and I showed him a picture of when I got bit and I had the red enema rash and I still have my tick scar here. Yeah. They still didn't give me any amoxicillin, no antibiotics, nothing. Instead, they tried to offer me antipsychotics, naproxen, anti-inflammatory drugs, sleep drugs like Zolpiclin, Trigablin, just they're more than happy to give you a cocktail of like different like symptom-suppressing drugs. And yep. each time I each GP saying, are these drugs going to cure me, help me, and just help you with your symptoms? But once you take them for one week, the next week you have to up to milligram doses until you got to that. For example, that was the um, maximum dose. So I did ask the question of once I get to the maximum dose and I get up to people, then what do I do? And then they said, but then they find another like cocktail medication. Then the challenge again to say, in this black box one in here, it does say like damage to the liver and these are the side effects. Yep. So when that patient is sick and a patient is trying to get better, why are you prescribing symptoms suppressing drugs that have got a lot of other side effects? Therefore, I don't think the GPs <laughs> like to me very much. But I wasn't trying to talk with the GPs at all. Like, yeah. So many times I've been in the GP office and like I've just watched my whole life just kind of, to be honest, flash above my eyes. Like I've lost, like I was in a living year job that I absolutely loved. I was um, a business manager. I was a makeup artist, and you know I've not been able to work for the last um, um, months. Yeah, I've lost that. I haven't been able to drive again. I've also sadly lost a lot of friends, which I didn't think would have happened to me mm. because I speak to a lot of warriors that say they lose their friends, and I said, no, not me, not my friends. I'm a very, very strong person. I'm a very vocal as well, and I'm very public about my struggles. But unfortunately, once I was making progress, um. I mean, making progress, like people, a lot of people say, like, how did you get out of your bed? How, how did you be bed bound to now having one or two days out? Um, I think for me, I'm taking a lot of supplements, um, a lot, a lot of supplements, um, lots of B12, vitamin um, B5, omega 3, vitamin C, vitamin E, like just all the things that I would thought that the body would also need. I also yep. got my, I've got, uh, um, I've got a, uh, the cortisol and saliva test by Eugenics Club. Yep. I went for that. And then my results came back that my cortisol was low in the morning, low in, low in the afternoon, high in the evening, and extremely high at night. So Which is like, right reverse to what it needs to be. Yep, it's yep. reverse. I don't know why. I don't know why my body is like so bad. And so what I had to do was they joined, as you know, the forums and 
like lead up and all the adrenal glands and things like that. So fascitation like adrenal cortex, which is like um it's like bovine, so it's like yep. pig thigh and to help the thyroid system a little bit and the bovine is like some child. So it's like the they still classify it as herbal, but um like the doctors when I went to the doctor to get my TSH um my thyroid checked, they only test your TSH. Yeah. However they the CTC, which is actually the most important one. So yep. I was at an appointment having very long, challenging conversations at a time I wasn't very focused on. So I kind of walked away from the NHS and decided I had not accepted what they're saying. Like some people just get sick and they never get better. Mm -hmm. So I I'm just going to read internet, Google, talk to lawyers on Instagram forums and do the best that I can do and help like help myself and try and recover and if I ever do then I'll be more than happy and share the things that have helped me. Yeah. How have you managed to keep such a positive mindset through all of this? Because obviously you've been through a lot and you've been stuck in bed and for some people when they get to that point and they get really depressed it's hard to get out of it. What has helped you? I feel like what has helped me is every time I was going to the doctors, it felt like Christmas. Like it felt like every time I was going to the doctors, I was going to get an answer to my health. And every time that doctor was opposing me, there was no help and there was no answers and there was nothing. It was basically, sorry, this has happened to you. This is what's happened and I can't help you. And I feel like for me, when that happened, I had to be positive and drop your question saying, are you stressed? Are you stressed? Um, maybe you've had a trauma from a long, long time ago that you just remember. Um, maybe it is all in your head if the tests are coming back, um, like, like nothing's coming back negative. I feel like I had to keep really, really strong and I feel like I've had to keep really positive because so many people didn't believe me. But mm. I knew that like this is real and if I need to keep my head intact even though my body's not because if I give in to you know no hope and that this is always going to be the way it is and doctors aren't helping me and things like that then I shouldn't have ever got the same like sitting these like a on my own um, and I know what you mean like a lot of people say like a lot of my friends said I don't know how you do this but to be honest like feeling your body so challenged like that you have no choice but to continue do you know what I mean yeah like you have realized yourself like how strong you can be like there's been moments so don't get me wrong there's been loads of moments that I've had like massive meltdowns and like been so hurt when I came out of the office and felt like this never ever started. like doctors aren't even me and sometimes I've wished on the worst things like I wish it was a really bad illness that doctors would understand and the public would understand so that I wouldn't get so much. Yeah. Um I think keeping positive is isn't an easy thing. It isn't easy but I think when you have so many challenges you have to like kind of keep you have to keep your mind healthy even yeah. though your body's not and it's it's like a wee spoon like you're under like a lot of mud, it's like your mind's the only way spoon and it's the only way that you can slowly, slowly like stick it out. Yeah. It's yeah, my hat is off to you because I know I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease in March last year and for about I was only about a six or eight week period of them getting of me getting really, really unwell and going to the doctor and getting diagnosed. And I know even in that time I was just like, This is torture and then even after I was diagnosed and I was going through the process and I was having the battle with the doctors that I didn't want to be on medication at all. I wanted to be medication free and they were telling me I was going to be on medication for the rest of my life or minimum 10 years. And I was like, that's not good enough. So like you, I was going to be in research and everything I could to find a way to go off and I did do it. Um, but a lot of that was down to the stuff that I had to do over and above what the NHS because they were just they were happy to give me very, very expensive medications for the rest of my life. And I was like, no, because it has all these knock-on effects. You're, they were suppressing my immune system. So if my immune system was suppressed, there was other implications of that. And when I, when I go into the hospital or when I was going in and seeing other people in there, the number of people who don't take any responsibility for 
the situation that they're in when they have got a diagnosis. So for yourself, when you don't have a diagnosis, to be like, right, just give me the reins. That is like absolutely commend, like so highly regarded, very, very commendable that, that you're doing that and you're taking that responsibility because there are a lot of people that would just lie down and be like, help me, help me. So what is next for you? Uh, well, what is next is I I stumbled across on Facebook a functional doctor called Steve Hawes, and obviously I read a lot of things that he does, like hair mineral tests, like the mm. GI mat test, and the oats test. So the GI mat test is a stool analysis test. It basically tests for your um, lower stomach of any bacteria, like peach chloride, any infection, any any underlying infection or bacteria that you can have like parasites and things like that that are still keeping you sick but it's actually slowing down your recovery. Yep. So oats is um, the one that would also test again the, the top of your stomach and I've also done a full Dutch plus test. Mm-hmm. So, so what the message I want to say to people is when you are just dealing with a mysterious illness and the doctors don't have the answers and some of them think that you it's all in your head and um, but well, the message I want to come across and see, because at first I was told of chronic fatigue, second time I was told I had fibromyalgia, third time I finally got diagnosed with LSMR. And these are doctors are very highly intelligent and the public intimidating people. You are taught to believe what a doctor tells you is the truth and never question it. Like mm. you said, like they're spending DVDs, expensive drugs, if they take them for 10 years, you know, do listen to it and, you know, do your own research and things because when I was at a doctor's office and I'm telling them about symptoms, it's your body. Do you know what I mean? As I said to the doctor, I appreciate you, the doctor, but I am, it's my body and I understand my body and my symptoms much more. And I don't believe that if you think a trauma from 10 or 20 years ago could make someone physically feel like they've got symptoms, then when you're trying to tell me it's mental. But I feel like you can't really keep telling patients this. And if CTs gain and feel like that, then I feel like they should send patients to see, like, you know, a psychiatrist and get a professional to actually look into it. Yeah. Japan, so many people off that are desperately suffering and in hate, like, they need help. Um, so, what I would, my next like, thing I was going to do is, like, I never knew about functional doctors before. All I ever knew was I got a little call for something. Go down to GP, get me cough bottle, take my cough bottle and like I days go back to life. Um so now my next step is I'm working with a functional doctor and he's doing all these like tests that I've never even heard of before, but mm-hmm. I've looked in the Dutch test to test like all your hormones, your cortisol and he's explaining a deeper level what is happening with the hormones and things like that and actual yep. tests, the analysis and stuff like that. So I'm still waiting on that. I've done another um mineral test. I was so low in a lot of like minerals and I've got mercury toxicity as well. And the next last test I'm gonna do is an Armenian test for um lines in yep. Germany. So that's for three hundred different strains of um different bacteria and also co infections such as E V D that can still be active in the body. So literally in the street and all the tests come back and tackle them one by one. Things like um Epsom salt bath is really good for like detoxing mm. like uh taking high rates of museum. But before you would take any of those things, I would think it's great to go and do like a mineral test to figure out where your magnesium levels are and things like that. Yeah. A lot of work about coffee and Edmo. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first heard of it I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend that does coffee enemas. <laughs> Yeah, so she raves like, about them, and I'm just like, no. <laughs> like, I think when you get to the stage where I feel like everywhere I ever spoke to, like, unless you've been through this, like, you need mm. to help person see you're so desperate to get back to life, you're so desperate to feel good. You literally would do coffee and then mugs, you literally would eat the coffee and then mug. Like, I literally think, <laughs> yeah, you get, you get to that point where anything that might work. You will but, try it. Yeah, and but I think when you explain that to a normal, healthy person in their mind, and then to a doctor, you think crazy, or it just like you know what I mean, like because if you tell a doctor like I'm going to go and get organic, the best organic coffee I can put it in the tube and leave it for 15 minutes and let it do its work, the doctor will be like, okay, 
<laughs> yeah. That's like, that's how we've lost good, like how I've lost good things so as well because when you're undiagnosed for so long and the doctors keep telling you every single test that you ever have is, oh, you're fine, you're fine. And then I feel like people need a name for things. Yeah. Like a name to understand. But even for names such as chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, when your friends go up and Google and actually Google what chronic fatigue is, there is still that whole stigma that it's a psychosomatic illness. Mm. Um, some doctors still believe that and some doctors don't believe that. And it's um, a shame, but like yeah. chronic fatigue goes through so many different doctors, so many different appointments. So um, even now, like all the... I think it was like 21 different cocktails of prescription drugs I was on. I'm not on any of the NHS's in drugs that they've given me by choice. Yeah, that's only amazing. Because, yeah, only because tramadol, like for example, I was like described that for the pain. It's like, they tell you you can only take it for six weeks, so I decided to figure out why only six weeks it means yeah. something else. It's really highly addictive drugs, and I just do questions to you to say, how can you prescribe something like that but trying trying upon me for doing a coffee and then more? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't some of that stuff doesn't make any sense. No, so, it doesn't. You were talking about you have a function um you've now been in contact with a functional doctor for people that don't know. Can you explain what the difference between a functional doctor is and a and the NHS GP? Yeah, so for me like um a functional doctor is a doctor that basically finds the root issues of your problems. Like such as like a GI mat test, they will find out like underlying. They do different tests. It's not like NHS approved, such as NHS normally works on scans, MRIs, X-rays, but most of the time they work on blood. Yes. Where a functional doctor will work more things like your saliva, your stool analysis, your hair analysis. Um, so they can test it in a different type of way, yes. and they can test for like sales. The hair analysis um, can tell you what's happened to your body in the last few months. And it tells you where, like, minerals such as um, copper, like, things like that that doctors don't even think you need, and um, iron, um, the potassium, your sodium levels, everything like that. So a functional doctor basically finds the root cause of your problem. And then once they find the root cause of your problem, they will supplement you with, like, not medication or prescription, but... Um, for instance, I'm on like a lot of supplements, like vitamin D. A lot of people don't realise that they're actually really low on vitamin D and can increase your vitamin D, your vitamin K, your vitamin E, your B12, your magnesium levels. These are all like supplements. It's not like you're going to take a pill and the next day you're going to get better. There is no magic pill for chronic illnesses, unfortunately. Because I think for me, I wanted to go to the doctor and be like, oh, I'm sick, give me a pill, take it and get back to mine. Yeah. What I've learned with this chronic illness is you basically, like, your health takes over your life and resting and resting and not doing too much, not taking too much, but pacing, relaxing your mind and remaining in a peaceful environment with yourself and not getting so frustrated. Mm. Like, there is limitations, I'm not going to lie about the life that I live now and the life led before, but one positive, positive thing, I think a lot of lawyers say as well, this is life changing and it's life changing in the best ways because I'm the nicest person than like I, I was back in my Kim Kardashian, like <laughs> going out to where do I go this weekend and what new dress do I buy now? Like yeah. now my heart is like on helping other people and, and I've, I've had given so much love and so much help from people that I've never ever met before. And it's just because people understand that you're in, they're willing to give you everything and give you like so much advice. Yeah, I think. I, oh, sorry. So I was going to say, I think society in general is making a big movement over towards a lot more of R and R stuff because we went into this mental twenty four seven. If you're not working, you're lazy. If you're not working and partying, you're lazy. And this whole, we have to be busy all day, every day rest is for the week and that sort of thing and so many people have become really really unwell from it people having depression anxiety mental breakdowns physical breakdowns that they're realizing that 
rest is so vital so important and that things like meditation are so beneficial because back before the internet existed we had Sundays if the shops closed like you had a day of the week where everything was quiet and everything was mellow and then we transitioned into this really really busy over the last 20-30 years loads of people have got sick and it's like oh no actually what we were doing before was actually better for us so not being busy all the time is so much better for our health but now we're calling it a health and wellness movement yeah no i totally i totally get i totally get what you mean because i used to be one of those people yeah busy busy eating and always like zooming about doing this doing that and never knew the meaning of tiredness and i never knew the meaning of boredom yeah so when, when i did get like struck literally struck down with this um chronic illness it was it was quite hard to like kind of wrap my head around of you know the different life that I live now than I had before. Um, what I would say about the public um, perception that I've really struggled with and I've been very very public on Facebook on social media and things and my friends is um, people always say to me oh but you look so good you look so good like that girl cannot be sick because she looks so good and I sometimes think what does that mean like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I think, because like, I'm feeling like rubbish today, like, I've just been, like, it's like a picture. Like, I, I, I put my good days up on Instagram, I put my good days up on Facebook whenever I do manage how to go out for dinner and things like that. Because after five months of lying and looking at a ceiling, when yeah. I'm out for dinner, like, it's like, it's like heaven. Um, but then you don't see the aftermath of payback of what I have. Like, so it's like my mitochondria is like, the energy that I've used that day doesn't recycle my sleep and then the next day it starts like crashing. Yeah. What I mean by is like my symptoms all flare up, get migraines, I get dizziness, um, literally have to lie in bed again and like it'll be like the third day and I'm like, I'm like you just you have no control over your body, you don't mm-hmm. know if you're gonna be in bed for three days or for four days or for five days or is it gonna get ever get as bad as it was like before. And I think that's the thing with this illness, it's like there's no answer, there's no guidelines, there's no treatment and there's no caring doctor there to say, take these medicines and you better or we'll do these tests and we'll figure out things. And that's why a functional doctor is expensive, like I'm not going to lie, um, especially someone in my position like that hasn't worked for the last few months. Um, well, when, you, when you're signed on, you're not on a lot of money. Yep. These are our expenses and to have a functional doctor is expensive and I think that was something that made me put off like doing it mm. but then I, in the end um, I don't have health and I don't really have much yeah so totally. I'm still yeah I'm still going to be waiting on these results and things like that but then I still have a plan B of what to do once I go back yeah so how long do you need to wait now for the results to come in Oh, your phone's frozen. Hello, you're back. Hi, sorry, I don't know what happened. No, your screen just completely froze there, and then I was like, hello, hello, and then the whole thing just shut down. I was like, oh. I thought I just gone too much there. Yeah, bored now, thanks. (laughs) Oh, I'm kidding. Um, So, right, how long until you get those results back? I think it'll be like maybe a week or two weeks now. Okay. I think it'll be three or four weeks by now. Yeah, so you're still having to keep some patience. Yeah, I think like obviously now patience is something that I've truly mastered. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah, really mastered that one. Yeah. So is there anything final that you want to say just before we finish up? I just want to say, like, if anyone ever is in that position where they, you know, they're dealing with something that the doctors don't know, and I know there's so many people because ever since I'm so public about my own struggles, I've had so many messages that people saying that they're struggling with it as well, but they keep it, they keep it away because they don't want to hurt their friends and don't want to hurt their family. I just wish, when I was going through all that, I just wish that I did have someone say to me, like, no matter what happens, like don't ever give up on yourself and like mm-hmm. always try, like and always believe in hope, even no matter how 
part of the how dark it is or how many babies that you see and then you're talking to friends and family about how awful it is and you all just kind of bob you off. Just want people to just um, just believe in themselves I think and just always keep trying and don't take what the doctors tell you as gospel. Because yeah. as, as amazing as they are, they don't know at all. Um, they can't because they're just human, right? Yes, they are just yeah, human. They're just human. I think what I was, what I would probably make want to say is like if you are struggling, like please try and reach out because I've got like five hundred warriors on my chronic illness face. People I've never ever met that's given me so so much more love than the people that actually are in my life. Yeah, and lots of people that have what you have and get and get you. Yeah, trying really. So that they know that they're not alone. Yeah, I think that's a big thing with chronic illnesses because yeah. it's an invisible disease and sometimes you can feel quite invisible as well. But then you reach out to other people and they say like, yeah, I totally get it and you're being amazing and stuff like that. And even from someone you don't know who means so much. And I think now what I've learned in the world to say anything is just be kind. Yeah. For free. It is. It is. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful message to end on. It's so beautiful, so beautiful. So, Yen, I just want to thank you so, so much for sharing your story and also for sharing your journey so publicly on social media because I know when I wasn't well, how lonely I felt and I, you can feel so, so isolated when you're in those, in that limbo of not knowing what it is that's actually going on with your body. But, yeah, like you were saying, always listen to your body and if somebody's telling you something and you think that doesn't feel right, keep investigating, keep digging. Don't just settle for what it is that you've been told. So, Yen, I wish you so well. And I want you to send me an update of how you are getting on so that we can, and we'll do another follow-up podcast in like a couple of months once you've had some results and hopefully you're on the next stage of your, your journey and, and heading towards a healthier, happier, more healed life. At the moment, I feel like I don't have anything wrong with me, but yeah. anytime I get a cramp in my stomach or I feel a bit tired or I fart and have to question whether or not that was just a fart. <laughs> and I'm like, did I shit myself? No, that's okay. <laughs> like that is my reality. And it's like, uh, because there's days that I forget that there's anything wrong with me, and then there's other days that I'm like, oh my god, is this is this coming back to get me? Is this like it's always at the back of your mind once you've been given a diagnosis? Uh, it's just fear and everything, isn't it? Yeah. So when you say the prescription drugs and stuff, do you mind me ask what it is that you you've taken instead of the drugs the doctors have given you? Um, at the moment, the I, I've been taking Epsom salt baths. I've been taking them for a year. Like They have been incredible. For the last couple of months, I've started taking cannabis oil. Yeah, um, because it, it, I, got, I started off on one from Holland and Barrett because it's quite a weak dose. Um, and I took that for two months and then I've gone up to a slightly higher dose that I get through a company called Healthspan. Um, you can just can order it online now and I think that is really helping keep things at bay but also taking um probiotics to help the gut bacteria and adaptogens that support the hormonal system so like ashwanga and go to koala and then making sure you get loads of leafy greens like a juice every day I drink smoothies with anything that says it's gut healing I'm there I'm taking it I'm putting it in a smoothie or putting it in a juice and taking it ESL3 probiotic? Um, I've no idea which probiotic it is that I'm taking at the moment. I take water kefir. Um, I, yeah, and I take a pro a pro digest um, probiotic that's like a mix of different probiotics plus digestive enzymes. I'll send you. I'll send you some. Yeah, send me, the link, send me the link to that. And I'll put the link for your social media page is and anything else that you want me to share in the show notes for the podcast as well so that people can get in contact with you. Yeah, I've seen a naturopath and she told me to add the Epsom salt bath plus bicarbonate soda because mm-hmm. it absorbs more in your body. Oh, cool. 
start putting some of that in. So I put some tea tree oil in my bath as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's lovely chatting to you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know, I kind of ran on for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but it flew in, like, we've been chatting for an hour, and it's just going yeah. like that. <laughs> that's but that's good, that's good. In touch, Jane, and uh, I want to know how you're getting on and everything as well. Yeah. Um, let me know, I'll, I'll listen out for your podcast. Yeah, it'll be out a week, um, a week yesterday. A week yesterday, so thank you for listening to today's podcast with Yen. There was, uh, again, a little technical disruption. Um, so we managed to kind of glue that back together best I could. Um, I have really, really, and I do really, really enjoy doing these podcast interviews with people. And I hope that you are being able to get something from other people's stories, other people's journeys, other people's experiences. I'm going to ask a huge favour, if you can please, is to pop over to SoundCloud or onto iTunes and give us some love, give us some five star reviews, just so that other people can find the podcast much easier. These companies will rate and review based on how much feedback that we get back, so any help that you can give helps other people be able to find it. It's not about me feeling good about myself because, see, to be honest, I never even looked to see whether or not people have done it. So if you have already done it, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have listened to a podcast and heard something that you thought, oh, I know somebody that that would really be benefit to, please send it on to them, share it with them, share it with your audiences and let's share some other people's stories and journeys. If you would like to be on the podcast, send me an email jen at warriorwomanproject.com and just put in the title podcast interview and then give me a little bit of information about your story and what it is you want to see as I am always on the lookout for more interesting people with fantastic stories and we have got more brilliant interviews lined up so I'm looking forward to bringing them to you have an awesome day whatever it is that you're doing and I will see you on the next podcast